0: Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. What a beautiful, beautiful song. And and just a reminder, you know, as I think about that song, the scripture would tell us that our life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And sometimes in the midst of uh, this life, the days can seem long. But boy, the years are so short. You know, I was thinking yesterday, I was uh, at the graduation of our our high school students and just uh, seeing them and these uh, little ones that had uh, seemed like they should still be, you know, seven or eight years old somehow and they're graduating high school and I was thinking about that and there's this thought that you know, as, as I was watching them come in and the different ways that they were recognized, there's this thought of there's a, a little bit of our journey that we are always kind of focusing on uh, the next step. You know, they start in, in kindergarten and you kind of start to grow or you get those things, and you're always looking uh, to that next step, you're always looking to that time uh, that you would move on up into something different, and that's kind of the culture. That we live in. Sometimes we think about that when we think about our, our work. We think about this next step that we'll take and maybe we start out and we're kind of on the bottom of that, uh, that ladder. Maybe we're on the bottom of, of the rung and then we say, well, you know, I'm going to uh, you know, work hard and then I'm going to earn some more uh, some more, you know, rungs on the ladder and I'm going to get a little better uh, status and, and a lot of the things, maybe you're a, a student, maybe you're a young person and you start out and you make a, a football team or you make a, a basketball team and you start at the very bottom and then you begin to work and you, you earn some playing time and you, you move up just a little more and, and then you, you get a little higher on that ladder, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden with that, Come some things, right? You get you get some status, and you get some things that make you feel a little better about uh, about yourself. And if we don't have Status sometimes in our workplaces, and I, I find it interesting. Sometimes we we even make up statuses, and we make up things to make us feel a, a little better about our status. We might think about what we do uh, in our work, or even companies will title those things uh, in certain ways. Right? There may be a, a sanitation specialist in, in the room, and, and what that really means is that you're a janitor, right? And that you're uh, doing those. And there's nothing wrong or nothing mean about any of those things, but we're always trying somehow. To make ourselves sound a little bit better. We're trying to make ourselves a little higher on this ladder. And we want this status, right? We, we pursue that status. And somebody told me they, uh, as they were looking today. They, as somebody was talking they said, now don't get too high. And, and there's some really good advice in that. The fact is the, the top step on this ladder says danger. Thank you for that good advice. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay attention to that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that. And, and here's the truth. When we pursue status and when we pursue uh, our uh, elevation and our things, it's dangerous because what it produces is this thing where it says, I'm first. It's me that's first, and it's me that is important, and it's me that life is all about. And when we do that, we get in that kind of mode. And here's the thing when we look around, that's really the attitude of this world. It's the attitude that's all around. It's it's this attitude that's so dangerous. And what's even more dangerous, and there's nothing wrong with trying to attain better positions and better things, but there's this motive that's there. But what is definitely dangerous, and what we're going to look at today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 today and we're going to uh, be looking at this passage of scripture that Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he's going to remind them of how dangerous it is when that kind of attitude could creep in to the church and when there's an attitude of me first and please me and serve my interests and when, when there's that kind of attitude it is a recipe for destruction and just like on the top of this ladder just kidding and just like on the top of this ladder right it's this danger and and, and the apostle Paul has been writing to them and he said you're going to walk and he said there's this this desire that he would have for this church to walk worthy of the gospel to live lives worthy of the gospel as citizens of the kingdom of heaven that are living in the midst of this broken world and it's so easy and it's so dangerous that we might Get all of our focus on this world's way. And we might bring those things in the church. And the result is conflicts. The result is dissension, division. And to keep this church at Philippi from trouble. To keep them from walking in those kind of ways. The Apostle Paul uh, gives them these words. And he's going to tell them. What I want you to understand is that you need to care more about other people than yourself. He's going to say you need to focus and care more about those that are around you than yourself. And you're, you're not to worry about how far up this ladder that you can climb. But he's going to encourage them and implore them to consider how far down the ladder that they might could descend in service to others. And this is really a radical look compared to what our culture would say. And we might think, how in the world would we do that? And today we're going to really look at what I believe Paul is encouraging them to see. How would they do that? How would they do that? And I'm going I'm to suggest that Paul is going to say, you look to the example that God has given us. The example that we have is not the CEOs or the most important people in this world. It's not uh, those in that place, but it is our Lord Jesus Christ and it is His example that we all are to follow. So I'm going to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and to turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read verse 1 through 11 together and uh, I'd I'd like to invite you, if you're able, to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, and then we're going to just break these down. Um, Let's read uh, together, beginning in verse 1. The Scripture says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on purpose, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, "...but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow." Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful. Lord, for the example that we have been given in Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we read these words that this mind of the master should be the mind of his people. Lord, we wrestle because of our selfishness. We wrestle because of our our flesh, Lord, because it is in our nature, Lord, to please ourselves and to desire to be elevated and to be on top. But we recognize that this kingdom way of living, that it is different. That we descend, that we consider ways that we might serve one another, Ways that we might lay aside the things that we might even think we deserve or that we have earned in service to others. Lord, your word tells us that you resist the proud, but that you give grace to the humble, Lord. And we are in need of your grace, of your mercy, of your goodness. And Lord, we pray that as we look to the cross today, Lord, as we look at the example of Jesus Christ, Lord, that it would motivate us to pour our lives out for one another, to live our lives in service to you and in service to one another. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we ask, Lord, for your blessing on our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. Now, I would I would argue that this is one of the most glorious passages in all of the Scripture, the things that it tells us about Uh, who we are in Christ, the things that it tells us about who our great God is and what He has accomplished on the cross may be unmatched. And so we begin in this passage in verse 1. It begins with this word, therefore. And so we always are asking ourselves this question, what is it there for? What do we look back to? And we are reminded in chapter 1 of Paul's encouragement to them, of his uh, gratitude for their partnership in the gospel, uh, for Paul's reminder that even his imprisonment is working out for the progress of the gospel. And because he is a gospel-centered person, because he has got his eyes fixed on Jesus, that even in the midst of those difficulties that he is experiencing, joy fact is he would say for him for me Paul would say to live is Christ and to die is gain he says no matter what uh, comes my way uh, he says I will live for the glory of God he says I'm a winner either way he said I'm convinced that the Lord is going to allow me to remain uh, in this world in the midst of this broken world it would be better to be with Jesus but I'm convinced he's going to leave me here for your sakes So that you might know more of who Jesus is. And then he says it's been granted to you. It's been gifted to you to believe in Jesus. And we love that part. It's the end of chapter 1. He says it's been granted to you that you might believe in Jesus. But then the scripture says and to suffer for him. And that part gets heavy. And if we're honest it's a place that we wrestle in the midst of this broken world, and, and that the world wrestles with it, why is there suffering? And, and if God is able to do all things, why doesn't He put a stop to the suffering and the pain and the difficulties that we face? And we all may have, have wrestled with that question. We may have wrestled with those things, and we're reminded as we sung this morning, 10,000 years will just be beginning. And this momentary light affliction, the things that we face in the midst of this world, they are momentary in light compared to all the glory that awaits us. And we recognize that the things that suffering is temporary and that Christ has been exalted. We'll see this in this passage. So how do we withstand persecution and trouble and suffering and difficulty? And we recognize that in our culture and the things that we face, we face very little compared to those in many other places. I read this week of a headline uh, from uh, another country where uh, a, a toddler was imprisoned for life along with his parents because his parents had a copy of God's Word. You can Google it. You can read about it. A toddler, two years old, imprisoned for life because of his parents having what we... Are opening and reading this morning. When will all those things come to an end? Where will those things... How do we withstand in those moments? How do we withstand maybe in our culture the temptation that we face uh, to fall into the ways of our culture? And Paul would give this answer beginning in verse 1. And he would say this, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is affection and compassion... And when you read this, he's not saying if there is. The way that he is wording it, he's saying since these things are true. Since there are those things. And then in verse 2, he says, make my joy complete. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Paul has told them, I'm experiencing joy in my circumstances. And whatever I'm facing, the gospel is progressing. But then he looks to this church, this church that he so dearly loves, that he writes this letter filled with joy. He says, you all, he says, I desire that you might make my joy complete. Now, Isn't that crazy to think about that Paul would be in prison and he would be chained to a, a Roman guard and he would be in that spot at this time for two years and he would write to them and he would say, I'm experiencing joy in that, but there's something that you can do. There's something that you can do as the church that would make my joy complete. And he says the way that you do that is by being of the same mind. Now the basis for us being of the same mind, he said if there's any uh, consolation of love, he says we're in the beginning, he says if there is any uh, con- any uh, encouragement in Christ, the basis of our unity, the basis of our Our like-mindedness is that we are united in Christ, that we are comforted in the love of God. He says if there's any consolation of love, he said we're united in the same spirit and God has given us this same call of this compassion and this desire because of what grace we have experienced that we might extend this grace to other people and there might be a way that we would love others in compassion and grace and mercy. We see how much Christ has done for us, we see how far He was willing uh, to descend. And we, in turn, as we understand the fullness of His love, pride and selfishness and all those things, they begin to melt away. We don't become humble by trying to focus on being humble. We become humble as we reflect and focus on who Jesus is. And here's the measure. As we think about the maturity of believers And we think about the unity that we experience in the body of Christ. Think about the unity that we experience in the family of God. Unity in the people of God is a direct reflection of humility in our people, right? The the, the humility of God's people. Verse 3 and 4, he continues and says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty Conceit, but with humility of mind. So, so if we were up on this ladder, right, as we would read this, the church at Philippi, he, he would write to them, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. This is not about you. He says, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests. And when we think about that, we immediately, we immediately begin to come down. Because here's the thing. We naturally desire to be served. It is part of our brokenness. It's part of our flesh. In, in recent years, there's an app that has come out and this social media site called Be Real. Uh, some of you have heard of this site. I see some smiles and some bewildered looks as well. Uh, and there's always some kind of new social media site. But this Be Real site, the, the way that it works is that uh, at a given moment, you, uh, you get a notification uh, on your phone Uh, and this phone buzzes and it says be real and you have a certain amount of time and you take a selfie of yourself and then you look and you take a a front picture of the camera that shows what's going on uh, around you. So you take a picture of you and then you say this is what's going on uh, around me and the thought is that by doing it in real time that instead of some of the social media that maybe uh, we've put on everything just as good as we can and we, we send this picture that's not reality. That this be real, that we would send maybe an accurate picture of what's going on in that moment. But still, at the heart of all these things, right? We post this picture. We, we be real. We're like, hey, here's our selfie. And then we take a picture of around us. And we say, this is the world. And the world revolves around me. And as you look at this picture, I want you to like my picture. And I want you to look at those things. And I want you to see what's going on. And, and up until you know for for many years literally people believed that everything revolved around the earth right that everything revolved around planet Earth, that the sun revolved us that everything revolved but but what we realized later is that 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 the earth revolved around the son and naturally with this desire to be served and those kind of things and the way our culture feeds that since Adam we have uh, had this desire for it to be about us we want it our way we want those things and and we see the result of those things James chapter 4 would say what is the cause of divisions among you right what is the cause of these and he said it is this selfish Uh, ambition that we have that that it is this selfish desires that we have he would say it's your pleasures that wage war against your members it is those kind of things that are causing that and we should reflect on our lives and we should say what is my life about is it all about me or is it about the lord jesus and others we there's a couple ways that maybe we could measure some of those things and I've heard it said that there's a couple of ways to enter a room and you might be able to evaluate some things by that there are people that enter a room and when they enter a room they walk into the room and they say here I am serve me now maybe you know maybe 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 some people feel like, hey, I have a right to that. Maybe you're a, uh, maybe you're a boss in a, a job and, and you have elevated, you're, you're in charge of those things until so you walk in and you say, these things are due me. But Jesus would say, hey, that's not the, the way of the kingdom, right? That the greatest among you would be your servant. And so even though you might have that status, you lay aside that status so that you could serve God. Others, you, you, you don't use that status for your advantage so that you could be served. It might be that a, a hard-working man gets home, and he says, you know, I've been slaving all day. And when he gets home, he says, here I am. And he plops down in his recliner, and he says, bring me my water. And he looks at his kids, and he, wants to, and he says, serve me, serve me. But there's a different mindset that says, even though I have certain status, even though I've earned certain things, even though I've done certain things, when I walk in, instead of saying, look at me when I walk in the room, they walk in the room and say, oh, look, I see you. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. How was your day today, Vern? It's so good to see you. Man, tell me about how you're doing. Oh, my goodness, is there anything I could do to be helpful to you? And, and we love people, right? Most of us don't really like the person or, or maybe we have to love them, right? Jesus says we love everybody. But we don't, we don't necessarily love being around somebody that whenever we see them, they walk in the room and they say, here I am. But, boy, there's something special about somebody that walks in the room and says, there you are, I see. So glad to see you. Life is not about us. Life is not, uh, we're not the center of our world. And how do we do that? He says in verse 5, he says, Let this attitude or have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So how do we, how do we get our minds off of ourselves? How do we take our lives and instead of having us as the center, because if we're all honest, this is, this is in us, every one of us. How do we do that? He says, have this mind in you who is also in Christ Jesus. We look at Jesus. That's my charge today is that we might look at Jesus and that we might answer this question. And and as we look at this passage, we're going to see the answer to this question. We look at this question and we answer this one simple question. Who is Jesus? And when we look at him and we answer that question... We then see ourselves in light of who He is, and it changes everything. Tony Meredith says it this way. He says, the more we behold His glory and imitate His character, the more unified we will be as a church. The more that we look at Jesus, if you want to know how we become unified, we look at Jesus. We lift high His name. We, we worship Him, and we declare His greatness. And Paul wrote in this passage, he says, Jesus started At the very high spot, way higher than I can get on the top of this ladder. That Jesus started as high as you possibly could imagine. All the way at the top. And in verse 6 it says, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. When we think about that word grasp in the Greek, it is this picture of we are holding on to something with everything that we have and we will not release, we will not give in. This is mine, it is rightfully mine, and I will take it and I will use it to the fullest for my advantage and for my good and for my strengthening. He says he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of man. Now, now, isn't it interesting when we think about the way that Paul began this letter in verse 1, he says that he and Timothy, and then he refers to them, he says, we are bondservants of Jesus Christ. He said, this is who we are. Do lost is the word in Greek. And in this passage, He says that he emptied himself, verse 7, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Now, verse 6, he says, Though he existed in the form of God. Morphe is the word in the Greek. And when we hear the form of something, it's important that we look to this original language, that we look to what this meant. And and when we read this in the Greek, it is this, this word that means to possess all the qualities of a thing. It has everything it means to be it. Jesus... He is God and he sat on the very throne of heaven with the Father. And what we understand is that the angels bowed before him. When we look at his majesty and his glory, Colossians 1 would tell us in verse 16 and 17 that it was by him that all things were created everything, that there was not one thing that was created that was not created by Him. All things have been created through Him, created by Him, and for Him. I heard it. Amen. Yeah, they've been created for Him and that He is before all things. And by the way, the reason that this world doesn't just fly off into uh, the, the craziness and the reason that, that it, it holds, that it is held in the place that it is, is that it's being held By his power. It is in Christ that all things are held together. Verse 17 of Colossians 1 So we know that God took on human flesh and he entered the brokenness of this world. And when we wonder about suffering, when we wonder uh, about the evidence of God's love and why he allows those things and what uh, all the, the the pieces of that come together the evidence of God's love in the midst of suffering is not found by simply looking at our suffering, but it is found by understanding that Jesus that God himself entered into the midst of our suffering. And so when we answer that question, who is Jesus, and we respond. Jesus is God, and He entered the pain for us. That's what we see in this passage. He's a bond servant. It, it points to this slave-owned Jesus in fulfilling the predetermined plan of God. He emptied Himself and took on the form of a bond servant. And the Scripture says that He was made in the likeness. Of man, uh, Brian Chapel, who was one of my uh, teachers in one of my classes in seminary, said uh, this. He, he was kind of getting in that grandfather age, and some of you are in that grandfather. Uh, age and you think about what it means to be a grandpa and he said that this one grandfather was uh, spending some time with his family and had a little toddler grandson and the little toddler grandson was doing what little toddler like we don't have to teach him to be selfish we don't have to teach him that the world revolves around them and this little little toddler grandson had gotten uh in a little trouble he had he had uh maybe throwing his toys at his, at his sibling or maybe he had taken them away, whatever those things he'd gotten in a little trouble and as part of his parents dealing with that that they had taken him and they had placed him in this crib and in this crib he was on the side and he was just screaming and crying and, and, and while those things may not have broken uh, grandfather's heart about his son when he was disciplining with him at that time, uh, when he looked at his grandson in there he's like oh my goodness he's a kind of heartbroken poor little fella and he's wanting so bad just to get in there and just take him out and and relieve those kind of things. And as he sat there and stood there and he watched him and watched him and the little fellow was just crying and crying, all of a sudden the grandpa just climbed up and he got right in the midst and I climbed down in the crib with him. And while it's not perfect and while it doesn't fit every illustration, what we understand is that the God of heaven looked into the midst of our brokenness in this world and he climbed into the midst of the manger and was born into this broken world. He entered the pain for us. The only way to deal with sin and its consequences was to go and live among us and to pay the penalty due us. This is what Christ has done and it was only God. That could do that. It was only God who could live a life without sin. And our greatest example of submission and humility, this do loss service, is in Jesus Christ. And let's look at how far he was willing to go. Verse 8, the scripture says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus is man. He endured the pain. Do us. Not only is He God and He entered the pain for us, but He is fully God and fully man and He endured the pain due us. When we read this passage, it is a picture of the gospel and we realize that Jesus has taken our place, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, that, that we were separated from God and that Jesus on the cross would take our place. He would trade places with us he paid the price that we deserved he endured the pain that was due us many of us as parents we've seen our kids hurt and we've thought in our heart man i, I hate that they're they're scant and they're hurt or they're going through this difficulty i hate that they're facing something so difficult and we say i would do anything i wish that i could somehow swap places and take away their pain parents in this room we've probably thought that so many times But I want you to understand that Jesus did just that. The book of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 17, we're reminded that he had to be made like us so that he could redeem us as our merciful and faithful high priest. He became like us so that we could become like him. And there was no other way. If there's a mediator between God and man, it has to be both God and man. And we see it. Perfect in Jesus Christ. We see the love of Jesus for his father as he walked in humble obedience to him. And we see the love of Christ for us. We see God's love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. It is the demonstration of God's love for us. Romans 5.8 that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us it is the beauty of the gospel that Jesus he entered the pain for us that he endured the pain due us and when his descent had reached the lowest of lows when he had gone from the very highest place in glory as creator eternal in fellowship in, in perfect fellowship with the Father and in the Holy Spirit. We see Him be willing to descend as far as we could imagine. When His descent had, had reached that place that He had died a criminal's death in our place. He was placed and buried in a borrowed tomb. He He was in, in the mind and the things that we would see. A forgotten servant abandoned, ignored. But here's what we understand, that when Jesus cried out from that cross, it is finished. His work was done, and it took his very life to do it. And when he had laid down his life, bringing us to God, when it looked like death had victory, when it looked like death had won, God raised him up, and he was exalted. Look at verse 9, for this reason also. God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name of which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so we recognize Jesus is God, and He entered the pain for us, right, that He is Fully man, and he endured the pain due us. And when we read these verses, we are reminded that Jesus is Lord. And him exalted promises victory for us. Amen. We are grateful that the victory has been one. And that 10,000 years from now, it will just have begun that we will reign with Him in victory. All glory to God. Jesus is Lord. And He's going to put an end to all the mess that is around us. And His victory, when they would, would consider the suffering that they would experience and the persecution that they would experience, His victory promises that suffering is temporary for those who are in Christ. It was not supposed to be this way. And in the midst of this broken world, one day this broken world will be no more. And there will be, everything will be made new. And there will be no more pain. And there will be no more suffering. And there will be no more hurt. And every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Jesus reigns. He is Lord. Amen. And we're so grateful. And, And He is Lord I think about that statement and there's been times that I've probably made this statement in my preaching and we've heard it so many times that we might hear this compelling call that we might in the midst of this congregation and if you've never trusted Jesus for salvation if you've never repented of your sins and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ it is my hope uh, that you would do that this morning and and in those conversations, we might say something like this, that it is my hope that you will make Jesus Lord. But I want you to understand we don't make him anything. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. Our nature, our selfishness, our our ways... We want to be in charge. We want to be the one who is Lord. We want to make our own rules. We want to live according to the desires of our flesh. We want to live our way. Now, many of you may remember when we were in Clarkston, and I look at, at Vern and Gene, and, and there was a little guy that was there in Clarkston, and his name was Muhammad. His brother's name was Muhammad. His daddy's name was Muhammad. And when I met Muhammad, little Muhammad, I, I just took a liking to him. But now he was a tough kid because... Uh, when Muhammad was there and I would tell him something to do, Muhammad would look at me and he would say, anybody remember what he'd say? I'm the boss. I'd say, Muhammad, you need to do this. He'd say, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. He'd say, I'm the boss. I'm the the one, I'm in charge. And at the end of that week, we went through that all week, and we kind of loved on Muhammad and met with his family and loved on him. And little Muhammad, you know, when we when we live our life and we say, I'm in charge, we're going to find out that when we try to do it our way, that the wages of sin is death. And that there's a reason that, that this book, sometimes we read it and we think, you know what? God is withholding. That's what, that's what Adam and Eve thought. They said, God's withholding something. I desire this one thing. I desire. God's given me all these blessings, but I desire this one. And he is withholding this from me. And the enemy wants to say, He wants us to feel that way, that God is keeping something that could bring us joy and that could bring us enjoyment and that could do all those kind of things. But what we understand is that God's word and his commandments and his ways, they are not cruel commandments, but they are sweet solutions for life. And that these things are for our good and for his glory. And we are called as followers of Jesus Christ to lay down our flesh and to lay down uh, our desires and to submit to him as Lord in our lives. And, And we recognize that. Little Muhammad, he reared back because he's in charge, right? Don't do this, don't do that. Little Muhammad won a little ball, and he uh, got, we we had this thing for angry birds that we had made. You pull it real far back, and you could launch the, the, uh, the, the little angry bird stuffed animals, and they would knock down boxes. We'd use it as a fall festival. We took it there, and on the final day, we are enjoying ourselves. We're launching water balloons. It is the greatest thing. We are having such a good time with those kids. Little Muhammad got his ball that he had won, and that little ball was much tougher than those water balloons, and he reared back, and he pulled back his little uh, launcher there, and he released that thing, and across the road was a house, and, and across that road, uh, there was a window that that ball just went straight through and right into this lady's living room. Well, when everybody saw it, and little Muhammad saw it, all of a sudden, he, uh, he wasn't in charge anymore. Right? He was <laughs> His in-chargeness had just been down, so I went to little Muhammad, and I said, Muhammad, you made a bad decision. I said, we got to go over here, and we got to see this lady. He says, oh and he was scared absolutely to death. He, he was scared of the punishment. He was scared of the wrath of this lady that might come upon him. He was even more scared of, of Big Mohammed if we went home and told his dad what he had done. And, and little Mohammed, I said, we're gonna go over and we're gonna we're gonna see this lady and we're gonna tell her what happened and we're gonna we're gonna repent. We're gonna, and, and I explained, I was like, we're gonna. Ask her to forgive us. And then we're going to figure out what we can do to walk forward in a different way. And, and thanks to, uh, to Vern, uh, he went to uh, Lowe's or Home Depot that afternoon somewhere. And he repaired that window. And little Mohammed got to experience grace as we had him uh, confess and talk to this lady. And and we took care of uh, this window that he didn't have any way of fixing or any way uh, to make right. And we took uh, that that lesson that we might teach him that. And we didn't go home and get him in trouble with his parents. We didn't do all those things. And I hope he experienced the grace and mercy of God. And and here's the thing. Jesus is Lord. And and we have people all around us. And there's a world, and, and even some people that profess the name of Christ, that are living their lives and they're saying, I am in charge. I'm the boss. But here's the thing. We are not. Lord, if, if when we think we are Lord, we take the message of Scripture, we take the Word of God and we adjust it to fit our desires and our wants and our ways. But when Jesus is Lord, we submit to who He is and we live our lives for the glory of His name. And how do we do that? We look to Jesus on the cross and we recognize what has been done in our place. We recognize that in the midst of this broken world that what they desperately need is to see Jesus for who He is is that we might lovingly proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they see him and who he is, the response to that is surrender to Christ as Lord. And one day, the scripture says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We can know that evil will be dealt with. We can understand those things. D.A. Carson says it this way. He says, on that last day, there will not be any Muslims left or any Hindus or skeptics. There will be no unbelievers left at all. Not in that sense. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that yes, he is Lord. When we stand before him, and I love this wording, when we stand before him in the blaze of his unshielded glory, there's coming a day that we'll stand before the king of kings and lord of lords, or rather we will bow before him. It says, who then is going to say, oh, I was wrong, but I prefer my own way. This means that either we repent and confess Him by faith as Lord now, or we will confess Him in shame and terror on that last day. But we will confess Him. And Jesus would, as He asked His disciples, ask us, Who do you say that I am? Is He Lord of your life? Jesus would say, who do you say that I am? What will we choose? Will we confess him as Lord? Or will we try to retain the throne in our own lives? And my hope is that we would look to the cross. And we would recognize that Jesus emptied himself for us. That we would surrender to him as Lord. That he is in charge and not us. And as a result of that, we go and we empty ourselves for one another and for the glory of God in this world. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at the cross. We need to be reminded of the gospel every single day. Look at the cross and then pick ours up daily. Because he is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our surrender. He is worthy. He is Lord. and He is our Savior. Will you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for your word. God, we thank you so much. Lord, that in your great love... That he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. That Jesus took all of our shame. That he took all of our, uh, of our, our sin. That he took all of the, the wrath and the punishment that we deserved upon himself on the cross. That he became sin who knew no sin. And he did so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Lord, that, that, that you might uh, treat us like Jesus deserved to be treated. That that he laid aside, Lord, all the things that would have, uh, Lord, uh, allowed him to escape those, the, those moments, Lord. All the, Lord, the, 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 the due worship that was to him, God, in those moments he took on sin, he took on pain, he took on all of those things and, and Lord, was treated like we deserve to be treated, taking the death on a cross that we deserved. So that when we believe and trust in him, that by faith we would receive mercy. We would receive grace. And Lord, that you would treat us like Jesus deserved to be treated. Like we had, not only did, did Jesus pay the, the punishment for our sin, God. And, and you accept that in our place, Lord. But, but God, because of the life of Christ. Lord, it's like we live the life that Jesus lived. And that we are made right because of what he Accomplished on the cross. Lord, we thank you for your mercy, your grace. Lord, for your word. And God, we pray, God, that we would empty ourselves. Lord, that we would serve one another in love and humility and unity. Not because of anything in our own strength, but because of what you have done. And because of the empowering and enabling gift of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Lord, help us as we surrender our lives and you live through us. So that the world may know and so that the world may confess, Lord, before it's too late that Jesus Christ is Lord. God, we love you and we thank you. We ask, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that's never trusted you for salvation, that today would be the day, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.